0: You've heard us talk about the luxurious Giza Dream Sheets for MyPillow. Well, now they're on sale, 60% off as low as thirty nine ninety nine. Lots of other overstock items and a free copy of Mike Lindell's book, What Are the Odds from Crack Addict to CEO, with any purchase. But you've got to use my promo code USA. Go to MyPillow.com, the radio listener square. Use my promo code USA or call one 800 nine five one eight one seven five
1: here's some great news if you miss the deadline to sign up for health insurance or if you just have a plan you're not happy with you still have a choice it's called Metashare there are hundreds of thousands of members and they love it Metashare has a ninety eight percent customer satisfaction rating and This is obviously huge. The typical family saves around $6,000 a year switching to MediShare. Find out more. They're great to talk to. 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE.
2: The following is a live copyrighted presentation. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time now for Radiolawtalk.com with your host Frederick Penny, Attorney at Law. And now, Radiolawtalk.com.
3: Welcome to our Hour Two of Radio Law Talk. I'm your host, Frederick Penny, with Denise Dirks, Todd Cunin, and our producer Cal Hunter. Uh, it is it is the 12th of February, beautiful day in the West Coast. Appreciate you being here. We really thank our listeners. We know it's uh, it's uh, it's just a fun time that we have with you. Remember that uh, we're only talking about general topics of law. Uh, seek counsel. We're not giving legal advice. Uh, this hour is going to be some really cool stuff. We're going to talk about Queen's Gambit lawsuit, the Sarah Palin lawsuit against the New York Times. Uh, for something the New York Times, you know, like Denise and I were talking about during the break and Todd, it just... They did retract, and what they did, they shouldn't have done, but, uh, you know, they retracted it. So the question is, is she going to meet her burden of proof in this case uh, for basically liable slander, right? Um, And then we're going to discuss big settlements against the Cal school systems. That's going to be an interesting one. We're going to go into, if you want to hear what we said the first hour, you can go to radiolawtalk.com or go to any of the major, um, you know, uh, you know, Spotify's or iHeart or Google, and you can uh, listen to our podcasts. And uh, But if you go to our website at radiolawtalk.com, you can actually type in what you want to listen to or what you want to hear. Say it's about, uh, you know, the latest Supreme Court ruling on gay marriage, let's say, for example. Uh, you It'll take you back to the date that we talked about that. So uh, go ahead and use our website. And as Cal Hunter always says... Most of you are listening to this live, but if your station decides to take us off because of a preempted game, like, you know, maybe a big football game going on or something. Yeah, tomorrow or, is, an example. Yeah, this is an example. Just go ahead and go to our website, and you can <laughs> listen live. Click on the live button, and you listen live. So, appreciate you being here. But uh, uh, before we do any of that, uh, Cal, why don't you go ahead and uh, play your little game? Now All it's right. time to play
2: Case or No Case. Yay! Charles Harrison was a very smart man. The winner of the 2008 National Design Award for Lifetime Achievement, he died November 29th at the age of 87. And now it can be told that Charles Harrison created hundreds of pleasing, easy-to-use household products during his 32-year career with the retail giant Sears Roebuck & Company. Harrison got a a bachelor's degree in fine arts at industrial design in 1954, a master's in art education. Later, he was really gifted at what he did. And because he was an African-American, he could never catch on full time. And finally, he started doing contract. And this is true. This was back in that time. Don't just what it was. So then he started in 1954. He started doing contract work for Sears. And eventually, they hired him on. And he became the company's chief of design making many really tremendous products, some of which we may discuss a little later. But he was anonymous. the anonymous designer behind a very popular toy called the Viewmaster. Now, people loved the Viewmaster. Parents loved it because it was educational. Kids liked it because you could see stuff in 3D. It was kind of cool looking. And so, you know, a very. Uh, it, the first one was very bulky. It was kind of like, you know, a prototype, big box. So GAF the photo company got a look at the prototype and said, you know what, we can do this better. And so they came out with their own version without talking to the inventor or anything like that. The the ViewMaster became a fixture in American households throughout the second half of the 20th century. Its slide discs stocked with images from American national parks to popular cartoon characters. Soon Mr. Harrison learned about the uh, BASF version of the machine. He bought one, took his original model and went to a lawyer friend of his and said, wait, I invented this. They stole my idea from me. Do I have a case or no case? Mr. Cunham, what do you think?
4: It's interesting how commercials work because I haven't seen this particular commercial for easily two decades, maybe even longer. And the minute you said BASF. The tagline came to mind at BASF, we don't make a lot of the things that people like. We make make them them better. better. That's right. Yes, Uh, which which appears to be what happened here with this one. So I'll tell you what, um, because I've been taking the easy way out and saying no case on a bunch of things. I'm going to (laughs) say that this this is a case and that ultimately it settles – It settles, because if it had gone to trial, I think that they might have been able to prove that BASF changed it enough to where it it wasn't even the same thing, really, because they made it so smaller, handheld, not as bulky, blah, blah, blah. But I'm going to say it is a case, and it settles.
2: Okay. There's another company that gets involved a little later called GAF that used to be sort of a quasi-Kodak of its time. Mm -hmm. So we'll talk more about that. But, Denise, what do you think? Is this a case for Mr. Harrison or no case?
5: Well, Harrison was an employee at the time of Sears Roebuck. That's correct. And back, I'm, yeah, I just remember cases where the design of the employee was not the it became the design of the employer. In other words, the employer owned it. So it wouldn't be even if Harrison would sue um, BASF, um, Sears Roebuck might have the real true
0: the holder of the yeah. rights, mm-hmm.
5: and um, so. I think this is a case, and I think that it does um, imply that something happens in the case where they decide that it's not Harris that holds the rights, but it's Sears Roebuck. And so, but also, I I just think that, I think it's a fluke. I think that Harris does not win because the ownership rights are with Sears Roebuck.
2: Hmm, Interesting. Fred, what do you think? Case or no case?
5: This is what I think.
2: Oh wait! You have sure go ahead and make sure I can hear
4: you. Looking for
0: Look at our
3: U.S. reviewer. Put in It's showing a ViewMaster commercial. I had to look it up. Oh my gosh, two cute little girls. I loved that. Looking yeah. at the a they, they were great things. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I got one when I was a kid, and yeah. it's it's bringing me back to my childhood and those little, little discs and. Every time you went to, like, a national park, you would see them for sale, the discs, right? You'd grab a disc and, Daddy, Daddy, Mommy, can I buy a disc? Look at the same picture over and over again. But what, Yeah, but they cool? were still cool. They I mean, were so they cool. They were so
2: cool. Stereoscopic vision, two camera lenses right next right. to each other, so you got this depth that you otherwise... Oh. I mean, this was revolutionary Was, the was time. that,
5: like, the pre- predecessor to the show and tell? Yes. That's what I thought. Yep,
2: yep, yep, yep. Sure. I
5: loved my show and tell. <laughs>
3: Todd's laughing and I am <laughs> you know, too. I, I, I'm Todd, not going there. Close your eyes. <laughs> I'm not going there. I'm not going there either. That's the first thing I thought. Anyway, uh, look, I'm with Denise on this one. I think it's a real case. I think they, that he loses, and I think Denise nailed it. He, was, he didn't own that patent. It wasn't, his, it wasn't his patent, it didn't have the rights to it. He was an employee, and it's not him. What did you say, Tom?
4: So so I say case, and it settles, which means technically he gets something. You guys say case, case but he loses. he loses. All right. Hmm. So, Cal, you could if this is no case, you could get points.
2: It's so unusual that We've I ha- time, have though. the possibility we, can, of can getting you points. you
3: this on it or we got, we
2: No, I'm time. just going to teach. I'm not going to tell oh, you. Don't tell I, me I want yet. you to look. If you're listening to this on a stereo at home right. somewhere, look with one eye into each speaker, and you'll see <laughs> what the view master oh,
3: looks like. That's I used to love that thing. Oh, you yeah. will click. Click. Very click, cool. Click. Yeah. Very yeah. cool
2: item. Very. Yeah.
3: Cool. So anyway, when we come back, we're going to find out about the ViewMaster and whether or not uh, it was an actual lawsuit by the supposed inventor. Uh, You know, the way it is in history is the inventors never were the rich guys or gals. It's the people who marketed it and learned how to market it. We'll be back after this. Take us out, Cal.
2: Thanks. You are listening to Radio Law Talk on lots of great local radio stations whom we thank for carrying the show. And, of course, if they decide not to for an hour or whatever, you can catch the whole thing live at radiolawtalk.com. We'll be back. Hold on. video. talk contain the opinions of the sponsor the airing of said announcements on radio Talk does not constitute an endorsement the announcements may contain claims that are not intended to treat diagnose or cure any disease These claims have not been evaluated by the FDA
6: do you run a business and want to learn how you can get between ten thousand to five million dollars in 60 seconds we're biz to credit a top-rated online financing provider to hundreds of thousands of America's business owners If your business does at least $120,000 a year in gross sales, we can get you more money to run your business in as little as 72 hours. Our terms are simple. Repayment plans are flexible and based on your cash flow. Plus, the paperwork is minimal and the approval process is fast. So in the time you've listened to this commercial, you could have learned if you qualify to get up to $5 million in cash deposited to your business bank account in the next two to three days. Funding specialists are ready to take your call right now and get you the money you need fast. Call 800-559-5523. That's 800-559-5523. Again, 800-559-5523. Call now.
0: best window replacement prices in town. Get your new windows, patio doors, and more from the Window Replacement Hotline. Get ready for the change in weather. Save on your energy bills. Call right now for tremendous prices on new windows and beautify your home. Call the Window Replacement Hotline now. 800-710-3739. 800-710-3739. 800-710-3739. That's 800-710-3739. If you pay my fee, I'll take your case. Oh come
7: on.
2: Now, radio law talk continues. Here's your host, Fred
3: Penny. Alright, listen. Alright. This is Henry Fonda. It's interesting. Now this guy's got the same shirt I had on in 1971.
2: Sounds like we're listening to the original telephone. Yes. That's right.
3: <laughs> Anyway, yeah, it doesn't sound that great, but you Mr. know Mr. Watson, I need you. Mr.
2: Watson, I need you. Yeah, it was, yeah, well, it
3: is kind of old and scratchy, but it's interesting. Henry Fonda doing the Viewmaster, and it showed the guy, the little kids, they're, oh, this looks dreamy, dreamy, he said. 1971 <laughs> commercial, and it shows the kid dreamy. looking at it, something, oh, this is dreamy. And it's Cal, it's the exact same shirt he was wearing that I wore, and all my brothers had, we had three of them, and we took it together, all together, the same shirt. It was a 1970s shirt.
2: You have to have Western shirts. I mean, but, that that plaid theme. Well, this they was,
5: didn't. This one wasn't, but it was. But No, this I'm, was like the Star Trek with the, the little right. things around the yes. uh, neck.
3: Oh. But don't you forget, know, in
5: those colors. days, it wasn't.
3: How many different type of shirts can you get nowadays? Millions. But now it's – back then it was only a few. I'm years. just
2: thinking I was the third kid. How many could they actually survive to be handed yeah. down? Uh, you yes. know, that,
3: that's the that's –
4: I feel like we're going down a yeah. back-in-my-day yeah. rabbit hole here. Yes, <laughs>
3: I love it. But you know what? We're talking about the Viewmaster, whether or not the original, quote, uh, inventor of the Viewmaster that worked for Sears and Roebuck brought a lawsuit to uh, a BAF and the Viewmaster said, hey, that's my – My uh, technology that you're using, and the question was, is it a case, and what is the outcome? Todd said it is a case, but they settled. Denise and I said it is a case, and the, quote, original inventor uh, did not have the rights because he was an employee, and therefore he loses. Cal, to you. And
2: I say this. Developed to provide ease of comfort, the Viewmaster's original color was beige to make it subtle and compatible with other photographic products of its day. Later, the color changed when the Viewmaster ownership was sold to GAF and manufactured by the Sawyer Manufacturing Company of Portland, Oregon. And while Viewmaster may be Harrison's best-known product, he was proud of his design for the first plastic garbage can with rolling wheels on it, which you, you could buy from Sears. And uh, let's see. Uh, a close th- second to the Viewmaster. Other stuff like that. He loved He thought that was like the thing that changed the world. So he was the first guy to say, you know, why do we have a metal garbage camera? We could use plastic. It's lighter, it's better. And why do I have a Viewmaster here that people are going to steal from me? The trouble is, nobody stole it from me. Oh, Cal1. Oh, Cal1.
3: Cal <laughs> yeah. So he was the original. Guy, and he and it was his. Yeah, true story. He sold it.
2: The product was sold, and Sears did give him a royalty. So he did all right for himself, did Mr.
4: Harrison. and uh... mm. they, they gave him a royalty. From now on, you will be known as the king of the Viewmaster. King of the Viewmaster. You get no money, but you're the king of the Viewmaster.
5: No, but that means that <laughs> Sears Robeck did own... The patent. That's
2: right, it was theirs, of course it was. Yeah, so they, and they paid, they contracted to get it manufactured. I mean, he was just the smart guy that came in the room and said, Look at this cool thing I just made, right? Or look at this garbage can. It has a lift up lid like the metal ones of the day, but it has wheels on the bottom, and instead of weighing 10 pounds, it weighs two. I mean, he was just thinking, Man, I have changed the world. This is my killer app, right here, the garbage can. Whereas the G A F ViewMaster was had a lot of legacy, and if, well, and if you well. put
4: those two together, you come away <laughs> with this idea: the ViewMaster, the predecessor to, let's say, the browser history and the trash can. Why you always want to delete your browser history? There you go. <laughs> What's point.
3: interesting too, though, is you bring back the nostalgia again, Cal and yep. me. I just it's nostalgia day, but. Remember the old muscle man that would pull up to pick up your garbage can and it was it was a big metal garbage can of full and they'd, they'd throw it on their shoulder and then throw it into the back of the yep. garbage truck and the garbage truck would smash it. And, and
2: you know, then he'd hurt his back and he'd sue the company and, you know. No, they didn't sue in those days. <laughs> yeah, lawyers,
3: lawyers didn't make money back then. Good point. Good what point. about Sarah Palin, Denise? What's going on with Sarah Palin? She's suing New York Times. What's that all about and how's it going?
5: Well, she's suing for defamation of, of her character. Um, and she is, of course, somebody that's well-known in the public, so she's a public figure. And what happened is that she created this map, and it was like these are the districts we're going to attack, if you will, and try to get our own Republicans into these different districts. So it was an election-type map, and it was a, a map, and it was a there was like a hit list. And these different districts had what's called crosshairs. Marked on which is like, I don't know. Some people interpret it as being, you know, shoot it or something like that. But it's it's in a, it's basically this is what what districts we're going to tra- attack. And in 2011, um, there was a crazy person who went and started to shoot up um, in one of those districts, and they actually killed a couple people, even a child, I believe, and they also shot um, Gabby Giffords, who was a congresswoman at the time. From Arizona. That's right. And um, and so that happened. And then later there was another um, incident, a gun incident, where a person went, and I believe this is where they went to that baseball game, and they shot up the other, a congressman this time. And at, that was in 2017. And at that time, the person who wrote this article about Sarah Palin was trying to make a connection about how— the politics field has changed and how it's become really kind of dirtier and you know more of attacking each other and all of that and so he did this this editorial piece and then the editor who was under pressure to try to get more readerships from New York Times he actually put the words in that made the link between that said there was a link between Sarah Palin's map that she had drawn with the crosshairs and the violence in these different districts.
3: Right. And that's what they put in New York Times. That's exactly right.
5: So as soon as that happened, um, the um, New York Times realized, wow, this is a huge mistake. And with 24 hours, they withdrew that language and and did a public apology and published it. But as um, they
2: insinuated that was the intent They insinuated this is what Palin wanted to do, in a sense.
5: They did. They did. And there's no question that it could be something that would impugn um, the integrity or impugn, even worse, make somebody's acts criminal, which would be horrific. So now we need to address that. We're
3: going to come back and talk more about it after the break. But this is very interesting and what's going on with that trial.
2: Fascinating stuff as Radio Law Talk continues here, and we hope that you can stay tuned because, like I said, we got a lot more coming up. You turned on Radio Law Talk. Radio Law Talk. Commercials and other announcements aired on Radio Law Talk contain the opinions of the sponsor. The airing of said announcements on Radio Law Talk does not constitute an endorsement. The announcements may contain claims that are not intended to treat, diagnose, or cure any disease. These claims have not been evaluated by the FDA. I've
0: got to get my car washed. This dirt, it just won't do.
7: The best thing about Quick Cut Car Wash is whenever you go through, the smell in your car is always great, and they have super fun lights and colors.
4: But I don't have no time today i don't know what i do
7: your car smells good and it's clean at quick quack car wash
4: and i know this place right down the
7: road quick quick car car wash quick car wash It's all radio law talk I like that show oh come on
6: you're
2: listening to radio law talk and now back to the show
3: we're talking about Sarah Palin and uh, her case against the New York Times Um, Denise you were talking look there's a lot of people and we're going to get into this in a minute that are saying oh her testimony was good or not good, and, and, and Todd brought up some good points that we're going to bring up. But you follow up with what you were saying still before we get to Yeah, Todd. well,
5: she has a hard road to show because um, this involves really important um, constitutional rights of freedom of speech and freedom of, of the, the press. press. Yeah. So it's super important here, and a lot of people are watching this one. Um, she has to actually show that Bennett from The New York Times acted with actual malice – or proceeded with risk, reckless disregard of the truth or falsity in this matter of what what was said in that article um so that's a very hard standard i'm sorry that's going to be difficult for anybody
4: very very difficult yes, yes.
5: it is and and it's done the reason that standard's so high is because it's such an important constitutional right to rights plural to protect mm-hmm. And so they do make it difficult, especially when you're dealing with a public figure, because just think about this. If the press makes a mistake and they're they're doing something with a public figure or trying to challenge a public officials, you know, job or what they've done in something. If they were going to be subject to huge liability, then the press isn't going to try to dig deep and try to. You know, really get to the bottom of things. And that's kind of the idea in in United States is that we want the press to be free and be able to do that. Well,
3: before we get to Utah really quick, so Denise, and I can answer this, but th- what is the difference between a public figure and a private individual when it comes to liable slander? The public figure, it's got to be an extreme... Basically, uh, there's buzzwords, but it's basically extreme. It's got to be an intentional actual, act. Actual malice. Yeah, they malice. Have, yes. right. and,
4: and that was going to be my comment, was just to draw the distinction. Let's say I did the exact same thing that Sarah Palin did. I created a map, and I did the districts and all that, but I'm just me. I'm just some dude. I'm not a public figure. And the exact same thing, for whatever reason, is written about me in the New York Times editorial. Well... If I sued, I don't have to prove actual malice right. because it's lower. But she does because of her stature, because she's a public figure, and that's where it's different. And She has a much higher burden than I would have or you would have or anybody that is not a public figure would have.
5: Exactly, yeah. and the important thing about this, in my opinion, is because truth is a defense, right? Truth is always a defense. So if that was true, then you know that would be an actual defense. If it's a non-public figure – and, set, and the New York Times had defamed this non-public figure and said they wrote that map to incite violence, well, that's basically calling someone a criminal. And that's per se defamation of character for a non-public figure. And so damages would be fairly straightforward from there, right? But with the public figure, they have to show not just actual malice or they, reckless. They. Who's they? Ray. The
3: public figure. Uh,
5: the... Uh, d- the press that is trying to defend against the defamation would have to show or would have to have a defense to act actual malice or reckless disregard. And in this particular case, their defense is super interesting because they're saying that there was no intent to cause it. As soon as they found out that it may not have been true, then they published a correction. And it was literally within, you know, two days of the first editorial. And basically, they're arguing some mitigation of damage issue there. And so now they're, it's kind of the, everything's shifting to look at did Sarah Palin suffer damage? Yeah.
2: I just think they're saying we had sloppy editorial practices. Sorry. I mean, this was a, cl- a clear case of malpractice of journalism. In my, it's just my opinion. I'm a former TV news guy. I never did editorials. But in my opinion, looking at it from the long non-lawyer view, you cannot accuse a former politician of murder because you hate her guts. They've done that to Donald Trump and other people, which is why I think they're so worried about this. This could come crashing down on them big time if they lose, in my opinion.
5: But editorials are opinions. And so, you you know, there's going to be a fine line here. This, uh, To me, this is a, going to be an important case. Yep. It's not one to just sweep under the rug and, oh, it's just, you know, it's it's not going to matter. I think it's going to matter. It's going to go up, and, and she will appeal if she loses. They will appeal if, they, if she wins.
4: So, so the big hurdle, as I see it, the big hurdle— for let's assume that, that Sarah Palin is able to prove malice and all that kind of stuff. The, the, the big hurdle for her is to prove okay, how, how, how are you damaged by this? What are your damages? Now, Now, one of them may be, well, if it was actual matters, you're, you're essentially accusing her of a crime, inciting violence, and those are per se damages. But aside from that, it would be an accounting function. Her claim is, I was being asked to advise and do all these things all the way up till 2017 when this editorial hit. And even though they issued a retraction 24 hours later of that specific allegation, my request, requests of me to advise dropped off the map.
2: She became toxic politically. Okay,
4: and, yes. and so nobody would, nobody would touch her as far as uh, advising is concerned. Now, where, where I think that the New York Times has hurdles when it comes to actual malice So, is this. The, the journey of that article that ended up being published started out with one person. It was then submitted to another individual who looked at it and went into the final person who, whose name is on the article and said, hey, we need to take a look at this, and then that person not only reviewed it for content of the first two – after the first two people looked at it, but then added the language – that was found to be offensive and then pulled it back so if it's gone through three sets of eyes and somebody makes the intention it, they, they can't claim that this was put in oh this somehow made it past the filter how did we get this in here it went through two filters and then the last person put it in
2: and the media term is punch this up we've got to punch this yeah. up right. and,
4: so, yeah. and so i think that's a hurdle now listen listen you're going to have people on both sides of the political all sides of the political spectrum. Saying whether or not the case was made, whether it wasn't, whether Sarah Palin, who testified recently, bombed in her testimony or whether she was able to make points. My view on it is this, and I had the same view with the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict out of Wisconsin. It's this. Anybody can say what they want, but nobody, not the judge, not the participants, not the lawyers, not the pundits, nobody is viewing the same evidence the same way the jury is. The jury doesn't know what happens on bar uh, uh, on arguments at the bench between the judge. The jury is not supposed to be watching TV to find out what the pundits have to say. The jury is the only one. Those 12 people and alternates are the only ones that are looking at the evidence through the narrow view of what's been presented to them.
5: So in 2021, Sarah Palin's net worth was estimated at, twen- at 12 million dollars. But in twenty twenty two, and this is as of February second, twenty twenty two, her network has gone net worth has gone down to eight million dollars. Wow. So if she can tie that loss of income to somehow this article and specific damages, then she might have, you know, a four million dollar case.
3: Maybe. Maybe. Not. We'll have
5: to see what happens here.
3: And probably just she wants to do it to help out her future, right? So she can have other uh Speaking engagements. That's where they make their money is the speaking engagements.
2: That, that and consulting. But I also think she wants to say, look, get this right and don't just come after me because you don't happen to like my politics. I think that that's the bigger battlefield, the background battlefield here. Is that the Times obviously did not like her politics, and they said, "Well, what can we do to embarrass her? Show her up. Let, let's let's attach murder to her." Yeah, there you go. I mean, yeah, I
5: here. don't. I don't think that's quite it. Well, but, but I'm saying that's how it ended we up. We want to sell point. papers, yeah. so let's make right. it well, interesting. Maybe. That's my point. <laughs> here
4: is the here is the unspoken, you know concern that I have. I don't think anybody's going around saying, this is our policy, but this is behind the scenes, my biggest concern. If it's true, if it's true that after this article, Sarah Palin's ability to operate as a consultant, as a pundit, her ability, her booking, just dropped off the map. If this made her completely untouchable because of this, my concern is that that now opens up the playbook on either side of the aisle to say, Hey, you know what? All we really have to do is write an article that contains some defamatory content. Then we'll issue the retraction. And you know what? If it costs us two or three million bucks, we'd happily pay that if it gets that player out of the political process. It's a smear campaign. It's a smear. If that gets them out of the the political process, money well spent. We just forced it to the sidelines. That is my concern about that precedent being set behind the scenes. uh, And that's my concern whether it's on the left or the right because I don't like that playbook
3: when we come back we're going to talk about the Queens Gambit lawsuit big settlement against the Cal, uh, the California school systems Pandora being sued by prominent comedians and Scott Peterson uh, appeal that's really interesting when we come back we're going to hit all that up
2: Wow, a lot of good stuff coming up right here on Radio Law Talk, and you really won't want to miss any of it, so just stay tuned to Radio Law Talk on this station and wherever you're listening, and we'll be right back. Hang on. you found Radio Law Talk. All advertising for legal services on Radio Law Talk
1: My heater stopped working. I got it fixed at no out-of-pocket cost. For about $1 a day, you can have all the major appliances and systems in your home guaranteed fixed or replaced with HSC's home warranty coverage. Call now, and the first month is free. If the lines are busy, please call back.
0: Call now, 800-238-9182. 800-238-9182. 800-238-9182. Again, that's 800-238-9182.
2: Radio Law Talk with Fred Penny, Todd Kuhnin, and and Denise
3: Duncan.
7: That is on the dodo.
2: Radio Law Talk. Now back to the show.
3: You say, what the heck is Queen's Gambit? That's what Cal and I said, but sure enough, Denise and Todd know about (laughs) Queen's Gambit. Tell us about the show briefly and what the lawsuit's about.
4: So The Queen's Gambit was one that really got popular during the lockdown. It was a Netflix-produced miniseries. There's like six, seven episodes to it. And the story follows a, uh, a young girl orphaned living in a, uh, like a Catholic group home, something like that, befriends somebody who is very good at chess, She's, uh, who likes chess the game and she she's fascinated with it and turns out she's a savant she's really good at this game and so it follows her and set in the 60s and it follows her rise in a uh, in a game through competitions that are primarily dominated by male figures right and so without giving away a lot of the plot or anything there comes a time when she is engaged in a match against a prominent like the best player in Russia and while they're showing the crowd, now this is all based, it's all fiction. It's not based on a true story. While they're showing the crowd, there's one part where, I'm going to butcher this last name, Gaprin Dashivli. There's a part where it, it, the camera pans and it shows a woman spectator. And the announcer says, there's Nona Garin Dashivli, but she's the female world champion and has never faced men. And then it goes on. That one line has gotten Netflix in trouble because that individual, Nona Garandashivli, is an actual figure, actual person, who was an actual chess champion and had faced and defeated several male competitors She'd in Russia. 59. Yeah, she
5: had faced up to 59. Yes. And she had uh, even played once 28 men at the same time, which is amazing.
4: Wow. So yes, so so that is that is what she did. So she she's eighty years old now. She's in her eighties, and she, she is claiming that that one line humiliated her to such a degree and was so defamatory and so false. It's so false that that she is entitled and is seeking damages of five million dollars plus additional damages, and that lawsuit is pending and. The lawsuit just survived a, a motion for summary judgment. Where for dismissal. For dismissal, where the judge essentially went through all of the factors and said, no, nope, this one can go forward. We're not going to dismiss this case. And that's not in Russian currency. That's in U.S. dollars. This is serious money. And in Russia, $5
2: million, that's still a lot of dough. That, that is. That is. Right.
5: But, and it's it's it, this is an interesting one because um, this is a defamation case again. And we have to find out whether or not uh, she's going to be deemed to be a public figure. That did not really rise up in this case yet. (laughs) Um, What the defense was, was that they had at the beginning of this Queen's Gamut a disclaimer that said this show is not based on any real person. They're fictitious, you know, uh, persons in this and all of that. And the court said, Just because you have that disclaimer, it doesn't necessarily mean that she can't sue you because you did imply a real person and the facts about that real person in this show.
4: Have you ever heard the phrase... Marvel Cinematic Universe or the DC Comics Cinematic Universe. Sure, that's all those films okay. that make out of Marvel so, characters. Marvel Cinematic Universe, they refer to things that are, they just refer to iPhones and Facebook and all this stuff, but it's the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the DC Universe characters like Batman, they don't exist. This is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I could see them going, look, in the Queen's Gambit Cinematic Universe, this person had never faced a male. In actual life, she had, but not in the universe of ours, that does not save the day for purposes of dismissal. But here's the thing I find somewhat ironic. I had never, ever heard of this person before I found out about her lawsuit. The the lawsuit is for, quote, defamation. She was defamed. I would submit that the Netflix show did the opposite of defaming her. it put her on the map? No, so it famed her. It, it famed her. Yeah, if she, is she a public figure? No, she's. I don't think she's a public figure. Nobody knew who she was. Okay, but this is drawing so much more attention to who this eighty-year-old individual was, who had defeated what fifty-six. Uh, Male competitors in a male-dominated sport and game back in the 50s and the 60s. It makes her accomplishments remarkable. And but for this mention in the Queen's Gambit, nobody would have ever thought to go and look her up unless you were somebody that was really into chess. And
5: now I'm going to say the other side. Because she was very famous. She was um, she was part of the Georgian parliament in Russia, which would make her a public figure in Russia. Uh, she was honored by her nation with the Order of Excellence in 2015. And there was also a perfume named after her. So I'm just saying. A chess perfume? American doesn't yes. have necessarily have the view that she's a public figure but I think she's going to be a public figure it's not just our view as Americans whether or not she's a public figure it has to be more of a worldview here's my point
4: before we selected to do this story today did you had you ever heard of her did you know who she was I didn't you're no, not, but, I
5: but I, the Russians did. Yeah,
4: the, the Russians may have, but she's not suing in Russia now, is she? No, and there's she, no she, because she, she's defamation. Suing, yeah. She's suing in America. She's suing in the United States, where they have this defamation, where she can try to prove if this if the queen's gambit was over in Russia, I think every Russian would look at this <laughs> and say, "Oh, well, that's wrong." You know, we know who she is, right. but I she's mean, suing
0: here.
2: The point is, there are some cultures where chess is a big deal, but in the United States, uh, not no. so much.
4: Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think that uh, – I think she ought to be skipping all the way to the bank thanking them for making the misstep because if they had accurately quoted her, nobody else outside of Russia would be hearing about her. Yet here we are on a Saturday morning talking about this person that nobody would have ever known about before this. So I, I think – I I think she's made hard-pressed to show damages.
3: Yeah, I, but if it was a news program and they made an error, that's not – as that's a different story, but this is an actual –
5: actual. Yeah, I, this Netflix. is going to be a fun one to follow.
2: Yeah. Because how can you say, uh, by the way, these are fictional characters, don't represent anyone, by the way, but that person you see, <laughs> that's a real person. And she never beat a man, never played a man. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting, I guess that's what the court's working on.
4: Huh?
5: I think she's, this is going to settle. I, I think it'll sure. settle. I, I mm-hmm. think
4: all the fighting is going to be, can we get this, can the defense, can Netflix get this thing punted pre-trial? And if they can't, I don't think you'll ever see a jury.
3: Speaking right. of settlement, $243.6 million settlement to former <laughs> UCLA uh, individuals Man. that t- 200 women alleged, that you have to say alleged at this time because it's settled. They they weren't found guilty, the UCLA, um, who said they were abused by UCLA gynecologists. Uh, I don't know the details. I don't want to know the details, but it's interesting that large amount of money. And, and UCLA, obviously, though it's alleged, UCLA puts out the following statement, though. The conduct alleged to have been committed by heaps, that's the doctor, is reprehensible and contrary to the university's values. So that's, that's per NBC News. They, they quote that from the doctor. But the question, I mean, from UCLA, question is they did, they did tout it properly, the conduct alleged to have been committed. So they're just saying, if this occurred, this is bad.
4: Because the doctor, Doctor Heaps, right. he, his he maintains, I did nothing wrong. wrong. I did exactly. not do anything wrong. And, and it's a it's a it's a tough spot for Southern California institutions because earlier. U uh, U USC University of Southern California agreed yep. to an eight hundred fifty two million dollar settlement. Seven hundred women, though, and that was with seven hundred women on campus with a different gynecologist, Doctor uh, George Tyndall. and which and, he
3: probably said he's not guilty either.
4: Yeah, yeah. So, so look, the, these are uh, these settlements are coming out, and the doctors are maintaining their innocence, but. You know, the doctor doesn't get to tell the school you should fight this. You should settle. The school has That's to look at they it want. and and f-
3: four hundred ninety million against the University of Michigan for a thousand women who alleged that a sports uh, doctor, uh, uh, you know, apparently was took indecent in liberties allegedly improper. boy, the money is this. What, what's interesting to me is the amount of money that are pouring out. Like Cal says, who's paying for this? Yeah. This. It's us, I it's guess. Not the it's doctor, the taxpayer, okay. <laughs> yeah. So we'll be back. Uh, hour three, we're going to talk about Pandora being sued by uh, some comedians. That's very interesting. We're going to talk about that when we come back.
2: Next hour, Radio Law Talk starts at six minutes after the next hour. You can join us here on your favorite radio station or at Radiolawtalk It's your choice, and we thank you for listening. We'll be back.
4: same energy they used to? Do they have problems with itching, scratching, a dull coat, or goopy ears? Then your pets need Dynovite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. For over 20 years, pet owners have trusted Dynovite to supplement their pet's diet. We started Dynovite and in our first box, we noticed a difference. Dynovite is an all-natural daily supplement made from whole foods that help support your pet's immune system, digestion, skin, and coat.
0: Within three weeks, he's not scratching and itching and he's an all-around happier dog.
4: Today's commercial pet foods are processed at high temperatures, which bakes out all the essential goodness. These processed foods can lack the essential vitamins, enzymes, and probiotics that contribute to overall good health. Adding a scoop of Dynavite to your pet's food bowl is the answer.
5: If you love your pets as much as I do, you'll want to do what's best for them, to live long, healthy, happy lives. I have two cats and two dogs. All four of them are on the Dynavite.
7: You won't believe how happy your dog will be.
5: D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot